It's Wednesday, February 20th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Rule Breakers and Supernova, Matt Argusinger, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. Happy hump day, guys. Yeah. Howdy. <laughs> Good to be here. Um, we're going to talk tech, we're going to talk video games, and we're going to talk about making money the old-fashioned way, and by that I mean stealing it. Uh, but we're going to start with housing. Toll Brothers' first quarter profits uh, came in, three cents a share. Revenue was up 32%, and yet, Matt, it was still lower than Wall Street analysts were expecting. Uh, And that sort of coupled with the news that housing starts in January fell 8.5%. What what happened? It was my understanding that we 2013 was the year of the housing boom, and we are those two pieces of information sort of go against that. Well, they don't necessarily only because you know when, when Toll Brothers is in the business of building new homes, housing starts, new homes. Right. You know the real story might be it, Warren Buffett actually thinks this might be actually good news because there's a lot of shadow inventories we know. So if you see how you know home builders building less homes. That means there's going to be less inventory, and actually we have more demand. Um, I, you know, we, there was something like last year, 2011. I think there were what 600,000 new homes built or new units built, and there were but there were over one million new households formed. Right, uh, yeah. and that just shows. Plus, you, you got all those empty caves out there. <laughs> oh man, just can't wait to move into those. But you know, you've got college kids living on their parents' couch or in their basement who just need to go out and rent an apartment finally, and that'll push other people out to go buy homes. Interest rates are low. I, this is, to me, this is more of a blip in a modest housing recovery that we've had over the past year or two. Agreed. You agree with that? Yeah. Um, when you look at the, the home builders' stocks, I mean, it, Toll Brothers down a little bit on their earnings today, about 4% this morning. But you look over the past year, Toll Brothers, D.R. Horton, Hovnanian, they're all not just beating the market, they've all just been crushing the market. Um, is, if you're looking at the housing space, and I don't, I, I don't really invest in, in the housing industry um, either directly through home builders or... Well, you do own a home. Well, I own a home, but in terms so of So you're pretty stocks, levered to housing, actually. <laughs> well, when you put it that way. Um, but is that, I mean, as an investor, Matt, is that something that is of interest to you, home builders, or is it just, is it a little too... Um, a little too risky, and you'd rather play the housing industry more off to the side through maybe like uh, uh, a Home Depot, a Lowe's, etc. That's right. I, I think that's that's definitely more the way to go. I think home uh, a bet on home builders is too much of a pure play right now. I think I think those particularly a lot of those companies have a lot of liabilities still on their books. And, and I said, you know, we, we're still dealing with a lot of inventory out there. So new home building, which is where they're going to get most of their revenue, is not the most exciting place to be in. I mean, I like company. You mentioned Home Depot, but I, I you know, I look at lumber liquidators or Interface. Some of the companies that are supplying, you know, carpeting, wood flooring, fixtures, things like that. Um, those are those are probably the places that are going to benefit a little more from what's going on. Shares of Garmin down more than 10% this morning after fourth quarter profits fell by double digits. And Joe, on a scale of 1 to 100, how surprised are you by this? Negative 100. (laughs) I am not surprised. I mean, I've been trashing these guys for a while, and I had a short position on Garmin with options that expired worthless that I'm not bitter about. But yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, Garmin is really struggling because their biggest unit is the GPS um, you know, units that we all kind of know and love. The problem is they've been made obsolete by phones that do all these things for us. Right. Better, arguably, now than what you can get with a GPS device. What's really spooky for them is that fourth quarter sales were dramatically off from full year sales. So there's a really big 
not just you know slow down but increase in the drama going on and i think that's only going to get worse in the next few quarters so this is not a a momentary blip this is not sort of a a soft landing this is more like a a just falling off a cliff. Yeah, and in the face of how well the economy is doing overall, you know, these are the kind of numbers you would expect in, I don't know, beginning of 2009, not where we are right now. And when you see that, it's just a very stark reminder that this is a business that is falling off a cliff. And I, honestly, I couldn't touch a stock. I know, it seems like four years ago, I remember holiday season. I mean, it seemed like Garmin, everyone was buying everyone at Garmin, you know, and, then, and that just it's just amazing how fast that switched. You know, over to the fact that you know smartphones are doing the job and are, and are cheaper and updatable most of the time. So yeah, I mean, when your product becomes a feature, that's a problem. So I mean, I mean, just to be blunt, how screwed is this company? I mean, we talk about tech companies like Research in Motion as being really under the gun. Um, I don't is, think this is, is Garmin a- in as bad a shape, or even dare I say, in worse shape? I don't know that it's. A- I don't think it's a going to zero story. Okay. Because they do have good businesses on the aviation and marine side. So there are a lot of people that need GPS devices, and you're willing to pay up for that if you have a boat or a plane, and you're not going to buy the knockoff, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a pilot, and I don't own a plane, but... I, you're not going to use I'm, Google Maps for that. I'm not looking for an app on my phone to guide me through the fog. Well, right, but you know, the automotive unit is the big driver, and that when it falls off, is really going to kill profits. And I just can't see the stock anywhere but dramatically down in five to ten years. I've got a really great idea for Garmin. I think they should get into the smartphone business. I mean, <laughs> oh, Just start burn. making smartphones? Uh, you know. So well, Matt is alluding to, they did this, what, two, three? Three? Three years four ago? Four years ago? Just about. Yeah, and total disaster, the, the Nuvi phone. What, and what was the name of the phone? The Nuvi phone. I think N-U-V-I-F-O-N-E. Something like that. Yeah. I think that, about 100 people bought it. Maybe. That sounds like a character on a kid's show. Yeah. Well, you know, that it's a good example of how difficult it is to stretch outside your core competency. You know, like Garmin, in theory, could put together a phone, right? I mean, they they got maps. They got consumer electronics. But it's just really difficult to step outside your wheelhouse and produce something people are excited about at a good price and get distribution for it. So the fact that the stock is now at a brand new 52-week low does not interest either one of you as a value play. Stay away. (laughs) Sony is getting ready to unveil the PlayStation 4, and video game stocks really have been on fire lately. Uh, Electronic Arts, Activision Blizzard, Take-Two Interactive, and including, Matt, and this was the one that stunned me, GameStop, which is the bricks-and-mortar retailer that just... uh, Shares are up almost forty percent over the last six months. Uh, amazing! I, I know all the. Do all I need to stop making fun of GameStop? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I mean it's it's been a heck of a run the last few months. Um, but you know, keep in mind this has been a wretched. As I can personally attest, this has been a wretched place to invest the last few years. And you know, well, it's been what six years I think since we've had a console cycle since you know Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo came out with their um, their new consoles. So we have this year we have the PlayStation Four from Sony. We have the Xbox. 720, which I think is funny because I don't know where they go from there. Is it 1440 is the next one? Uh, but this uh, this always creates excitement. New hardware, the video game publishers make new games to match the new technology, and that usually creates excitement, especially around the holiday season. I'm worried that this is it's things are a little different now. I, I wouldn't trust these latest moves in the video game stocks. We're at a point now where we weren't six years ago, where there's you know a whole 
you know, ecosystem of casual games that people are playing and used to. And at the same time, you, you know, where this really should be going, where the industry really should be going, is something that I thought, and I was wrong, I thought something like OnLive was really going to take off, which is a cloud-based gaming service, which essentially allows you to play any game on any device because all the sort of the programming and the operations of the game happen on servers outside of, you know, outside of your home. Uh, that hasn't really taken hold yet, but I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where, we, where we're getting at with this industry. Joe, um, when you look at this industry, obviously you've got the, the pure play, sort of the video game stocks, but then you've got uh, the companies making the consoles, that sort of thing. I, I'm not saying... I don't do hardware, man. I was just going to say, I'm not, I'm not saying the reason to buy shares of Microsoft is because you think the Xbox is really going to crush it, but, yeah. um, um, but is this something that you just... Do you have any taste for this industry? And, and if so, where does it lie? Not really, no. I mean, I... As you've heard me say plenty of times, I really dislike consumer electronics and, and hardware just at large. It's very difficult to maintain competitive advantages. And in terms of gaming, you know, I really do think that there's a long-term secular downdraft on pricing uh, because of games that are popping up on phones, tablets, uh, free games, you know, Zynga, Farmville, etc. So I think it's a very difficult place to make money. And some companies are doing it well. You know, you look at Activision, and I believe Matt owns shares of Activision, right? I mean, I'm not a fan. Everybody else in the office is. It's at a four-year high, so that sounds like a good thing. But why Why is there that disconnect? Because to the casual observer, you see headlines about Call of Duty and being a franchise on par with Star Wars or Harry Potter in terms of just the revenue generated. So clearly someone's making money here. Why is it not sort of making its way to individual shareholders? I think Activision and, and a few others, might there, there might be a special case there. I think a brand like Call of Duty is, is definitely special. And what Activision has shown is that not only can they sell a $60 game, but they can sell $15, $20 at a time every few months with new digital add-ons, which yep. is what they're making a ton of money on. I think a, a lot of the shareholders of, of these games companies have just been, they've been decimated because the whole the, the perception of the video game industry has been so negative. Um, I think once they figure out that, oh, you know, Activision's got some great brands, they're finding ways to monetize, you know, they've got, they still have World of Warcraft, which, by the way, 10 million people still pay 15 or $20 a month to play, which yep. is pretty powerful. It's really an individual story. I certainly like Activision. I'm not a fan of the traditional video game makers like EA and Take-Two who are still relying on the, coming out with these, you know, investing $50, $100 million in new games. That just doesn't seem like it's going to be a very good business to be in. Now, when you say they're investing that amount of money in new games, who, who does that go to? Does that go, uh, where I'm going with this is, um, do I need to start getting my kids to be thinking about a career as making video games? Because if, you know, if kids are walking out of college into jobs that are going to pay them 150, 200 grand just to make games for Take-Two Interactive, eh, that sounds like a sweet gig. Well, it would be the same as telling your kids to go, you know, go work for Hollywood, go work for the film industry, where, you know, they're also plunking down tens of millions of dollars to, to artists, to actors, to directors, to producers to make games. As they, we were talking about before the taping, Fast and the Furious 6, oh, coming man. out on Memorial Day. So exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's... In, in, in all, it's not a really great business. I mean, as Joe and I have talked about before, when I bought my Ninten- 8-bit Nintendo in the 80s, I think I paid 50 or $60 a game then. I'm right. still paying 50 or $60 a game today. So there hasn't been a lot of pricing power, certainly in that industry. Uh, so I don't know. It's a mixed bag on the, on the recent results. Uh, we talked yesterday about the fact that Maker's Mark reversed course 
and decided they were going to keep their bourbon recipe the same. Um, and I would have thought that uh, as a consumer of Maker's Mark, that would be my favorite business story of the week. But it's, it's in second place to this. Monday evening, eight men disguised as police broke through a fence at Brussels Airport and broke into the cargo of a plane bound for Switzerland. And it is estimated that they made off with somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 million worth of diamonds, uh, which would make it one of the largest diamond heists in history. God, I love this story. It's just, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's pretty tight. At, at, I'm sure there's already a script in the works. There's got to be a script in the works. And I think you were saying yesterday, Matt, it's kind of like the, the out of Goodfellas, where it's just like oh, the, the, the Lufthansa heist the, in the 70s. It was a classic. Guys just, you know, guys dressed in plain clothes, just kind of broken. I think it was JFK. And, and 15 minutes later, they walked away with know, 20 you know, or $30 million in cash. It's funny you say that. I was just going to say, I flew through JFK this past weekend. I had a layover there. And at one point, security is really tight when you're going through. But at another point later, it was like, man, I could have free reign of the airport at this point, <laughs> like out on out on the tarmac. And no one would really even know or notice. This is a little disturbing from a security standpoint. So it's good to hear that they've really, really shored things up. <laughs> well, if anyone from TSA is listening, please uh, check in on the security at JFK. Um, there, from a stock standpoint, uh, the Brinks company put out a statement saying that this this is actually going to hurt their Q1 profit. So uh, so I'm, I'm sorry to the people at Brinks, but uh, that doesn't diminish what an amazing story it is. I'm not particularly sorry for the people at Brinks. I'm a little bitter about Brinks, actually. It's a former IV rec. Sorry to get on a little bit no, of a tangent. No, rant away. Yeah. So these guys don't run their business particularly well. Uh, Apparently not. If clearly. $50 million <laughs> worth of diamonds just walked uh, out the door. Well, on the capital allocation front is what kills me. So there was this big question about how they're going to fund their pension going forward. And they made this decision to raise raise equity and left open the possibility of doing more equity raises in the future, which is basically like throwing salt in Wall Street's eyes. Uh, it was very disappointing. And they made some of these decisions without having a CEO at the time, which was perplexing to me. How do you get away with something like that? Well, you can do it and your stock will tank and accordance. And that'll be that. Um, if uh, if you had the opportunity to steal something and just have it in your home, would it be would it be diamonds for your lovely wife? Would it be uh, would it be a, a piece of art to hang on the wall? What would you go with, Matt? Oh gosh, you know I, I probably. And, and by the way, I should say we had um, uh, we have speakers here at the Motley Fool on a regular basis. A few years ago, we had. Tyler Cowen, uh, professor of economics at George Mason University. And I think it was Cowen who um, uh, I first learned about the whole notion of when you uh, – a fun thing to do when you go to a museum is to just – when you walk into a room, one way to just look at all the art on the wall is to think in terms of sort of like Thomas Crown and just say, OK, if I could steal one of these paintings, which one would I steal? And I've done that ever since. And honestly, it's made going to a museum a whole lot more fun. What would you take? Well, you know, I so I'm going to admit on air here that I'm, I'm actually a collector of uh, vintage comic books, and so and I've always oh been. My. I know I'm, I'm going there. I'm really going there, okay. guys. I've always been enamored by you know some of the some of the classic golden age comic books, and one that I've you know Detective Comics number 27, which is the first appearance of Batman. Okay, it's a beautiful looking book. I wouldn't steal it, but if I could ever 
obtain it and have it displayed on my wall in my house, I'd be pretty thrilled. You would totally steal it. Joe? <laughs> uh, maybe a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, which realistically I guess I could buy. <laughs> They're not that expensive. That would be that'd be pretty nice. Well, you're gonna like break into the Hall of Fame and just just you know. They're not well, you know, like a Honus Wagner would be mm-hmm. something you go Thomas Crown on. This is something that you could just you know shell out a card for. But when I was a kid, the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, the baseball card, was like oh yeah, that was serious. serious. That was legit. Uh, maybe it's because I've seen uh, the movie, uh, the classic uh, National Treasure movie, a bunch of times with my kids. But I would totally steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, yeah. How pimp would that be? It's just, just across a, town. It's just, just right on the other side of the river. You know what? You know what? Security there, pretty tight. Oh, I got another they, one. They don't have brinks there at the archives? Uh, they don't the, have the archives. No, 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 not at the National Archives. DeLorean Prospectus. The other day I was on Twitter and someone mentioned that they had an old original copy of the prospectus for shares of the DeLorean Motor Company. Oh, really? Yeah, and one bubbled up on eBay and I bid on it but didn't win. I had to draw the line at some point. It was like, I don't really need this perspective. <laughs> well, what, did, what did it go for? I think it went for 50 I was willing to pay 20 which is still kind of a silly price for something that you don't need like that. But when it went to 50 I was like, come on, guys. I think you did. You know what? Life is short, man. If you want something, just go for it. Plunk down the 50 bucks for the things that you want. Is, are you offering to buy it for me? No, I didn't say that. Okay. Joe Mager, Matt Argusinger. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.